Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 155. That's episode 155 of the Child Was Not By Choice podcast. My name is Sevilla Morgan. My mission is to recognize and speak to the childless, not by choice women and men around the world, reminding you, reminding us that we can live joyful, relevant, fulfilled, childless, not by choice lives. And whether you have children or not, thank you for tuning in. So what is today's show about? Well, we have a guest and you guys know how I feel about guests. I love having guests. And I always say that every single guest has been fabulous. This guest is going to be no different. We are speaking with the founder of World Childless Week. Our guest today is Ms. Stephanie Joy Phillips, and she is the founder, as I said, of World Childless Week. So we're going to be talking about all things World Childless Week. But before we do that, I want to just make a great big thank you to my Patreon contributors because you all are making monthly contributions to the platform and it is truly appreciated. For those who want to make maybe a one-time or once-in-a-while contribution, you can PayPal me at booksbysevillamorgan at gmail.com. But if you want to become a patron, just go to patreon.com forward slash childless, not by choice. All of that information is in the show notes, though. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. And of course, if you still have questions, reach out to me. Give me 24 to 48 hours to respond. You know, this is a one woman show. And so I'll get you all the help and the answers that you need. But yes, the instructions are in the show notes for each episode. And then they are also very helpful on the Patreon site. So I appreciate my patrons. Thank you so much. It's great to have you along as a contributor to the platform and all it does for our childless, not by choice demographic. So our guest, one Stephanie Joy Phillips. Stephanie, how are you? Thanks for being here. I'm good, thank you. And it's really lovely to be invited along to have a conversation with you today. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. I know it's middle of the day for you, a little early for me, and we are actually doing this on hurricane day. <laughs> Hurricane Idelia. Thanks, Idelia, for just making a, a mess of everything, everybody's lives. Thank you so much. <laughs> anyway, I thank you so much for being here. Thanks for your time. You know, I remember doing a past episode on the different reasons that we are childless. And I recall discussing the fact that there are many reasons for childlessness. A lot of times we think those reasons are medical, like fibroids or endometriosis or PCOS or adenomyosis. The list goes on, as we both know. But there can be other reasons for childlessness as well. And you mentioned in your bio that being in, a, in an abusive relationship caused you to take contraceptives so that you would not get pregnant by your partner. Can you talk to us? Because I know for a fact that there are listeners in our audience who either have dealt with this or are dealing with this now. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, certainly. I was in a very abusive relationship for four to five years through my 20s, which were obviously my most fertile years. And I wanted to be a mum. I'd wanted to be a mum for a long time. But whilst this relationship was going on, I knew I couldn't bring a child into it. I loved my child even though they didn't exist I love my child so much that I didn't want them to have to face the hostility and the anger and the abuse that I was dealing with he was incredibly controlling he would take my money he would be annoyed or rather angry and aggressive if I spoke to someone he didn't know he'd automatically assume that 
I'd slept with them, if it was a man. There was nothing about the relationship that was positive. He mm. made it clear that he, <laughs> he actually had several children before our relationship. He was several years older than me. And he made it clear that he wasn't interested in knowing them until they were 18 and could go to oh. the pub and buy him a drink. There was nothing in my mind that would allow a child to come into such an evil situation. They deserved better. And, you know, it was against everything I wanted. But at the same time, I wasn't going to allow that to happen. So I went on to the contraceptive pill to do what I could do to prevent that situation arising. And, you know, that is a, a definitely a level of strength. It is so strong to be able to make that decision, knowing so, you know, knowing that you so wanted children, but also knowing that you wanted to protect those children. I think that's just fabulous and totally, absolutely strong. You don't need kudos from me, but I'm just saying it's really something that our listeners, you know, for those of you who are in the middle of this, I I can't say I understand it, but Stephanie does. She's been there and, uh, you know, she did what she had to do. So I really wanted her to speak to that because I know that some of you are probably dealing with that now and trying to figure out what to do and maybe how to get out of the situation. You know, that's why I wanted her to speak to that, to just encourage you wherever you are and if you're in that part of a a journey where you're dealing with that type of issue. So thank you for speaking to that, Stephanie. I appreciate it. As I continue to look at your bio, I then read about how when you finally met the man that you would marry, you guys, you all know me. Those of you who know me, you know I love a love story. I may have one of my own to tell you someday. Maybe I'll tell you if it happens. Anyway, when you finally met the person that you would marry, that's when you realized you weren't even going to have children and you had to deal with unsympathetic doctors. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, certainly. We met when I was in my sort of early 30s, but we didn't actually try to conceive until my late 30s. I think I was hesitant because of what happened in my 20s. He was a few years younger than me, so sort of biologically, I think my mindset was ahead to be a parent before his was, but... We eventually tried to conceive and have a child when I was in my late 30s. Nothing happened and we eventually got to the doctors and did the tests and ended up sitting in a hospital room with one doctor who sat most of the time with her back to us and Mm. sort of twisting and just glancing over her shoulder as she was talking. It felt to me like it was almost the first time she had to give bad news. She seemed nervous. She didn't look us in the eyes very much. She was quite stuttery in how she spoke until she eventually said, if he manages to get you pregnant, it is highly unlikely you'll carry full term. So, and left the sentence just drifting in the air without finalising and give us any more explanation. And it was sort of in that moment that I knew we'd never become parents because we suddenly needed a double miracle. And at the time, I was 39 and of several months old. And in the UK, I was entitled to one IVF procedure before I hit my 40th birthday. Hmm. However, as part of this appointment, the only other thing, literally the only other thing I can remember is I was told to go away lose weight and then they'd call me again in six months to book another appointment. I knew that in six months time it would be approximately three or four months before my 40th birthday and the IVF would stop. That was as far as they would treat us at my 40th. So I went home and thought well by the time they call me and then by the time they actually get me an appointment put us through all the tests that they're going to do again because they always repeat everything. Put me on the medications to try and stabilize my body. 
do the same or similar for my husband, I could just see all these extra weeks flying by to the point that I've worked it out for. There's no way we're going to hit getting this IVF treatment before my 40th birthday. Mm. So I went home and basically confided in the only friend I've had or that I could feel 100% safe with, and that was food. So I ate. I didn't lose any weight. I didn't gain any weight, but I didn't lose any. So when they called to make the appointment, I didn't even make it because I could see literally the weeks that were remaining and knew that nothing was going to happen. And it broke my heart when I hit my 40th birthday, but I knew it was something I couldn't go through with. Wow. And I know we, we kind of discussed this before, but there was no second opinion at that point, right? No, it wasn't something that we thought of. I'm not sure if we could have done for that. I think the numbness of realising the situation is so much that you can't think clearly anyway, or mm-hmm. I certainly couldn't think clearly, and my husband didn't come up with a suggestion. So we actually found as well that although we were grieving and didn't realise at first we were grieving, we grieved separately. We didn't really confide in each other. Mm-hmm. So the first few months, if not it was a couple of years, I can't recall now, were hard because we were grieving separately and we didn't really talk about the situation. So, yeah, it was a hard time, really hard time. Wow. I'm glad you were both able to push through and get through it. But, yes, I can see how it would be really difficult. And, you know, the doctor's behavior, I mean, (laughs) sometimes you wonder what they get taught in school besides the clinical stuff. It's like... Do they get taught anything else? I I know. I think, unfortunately, it's an area that we still need to sort of push ourselves into to explain that doctors' actions and comments can be incredibly hurtful. And there's a story Mm -hmm. that I have shared before about somebody who went for IVF in the UK. It was her first IVF insemination coming up. And she was in the room waiting for it all to happen. And the doctor was going through their usual checks and said, oh, is, is it your birthday today? And she went, yes. And he went, and you're 40 today? And they went, yes. And he went, we can't do the process. Mm. You're too old. And I think the cruelty within that, if I'd have faced that, it would have broke me. So That is cruel. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an unbelievable story that's never left me. Really hasn't. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when did he, he must have known before that person was on the table. Exactly. I think it's because, like they say, they do so many checks, checking your birthday, checking your date, checking this, that and the other. And to leave it to that point mm-hmm. where you're sitting, <laughs> waiting, anticipating and hoping and dreaming that this is the moment, the very moment mm-hmm. that you fall pregnant to be told we're not even going to do it. The cruelty wow. within those words and turning that person down and just beyond me, totally beyond wow. me. I'm in shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I really yeah. am. <laughs> yeah, some of the stories I hear still make me just, like, you know, take a step back and think, how did they deal with that? Mm-hmm. Because you just don't know the impact on you emotionally to have dealt with that. And people say, don't give up. But sometimes it's not giving up. It's moving forward and taking the strongest, bravest choice And I think my decision to not try and get IVF in before my 40th was possibly my strongest, biggest choice. Another strong choice that you made, another strong decision. And so, you know, as childless, not by choice people, and and we're not denigrating those who continue to try because 
we all have to come to that realization and decision on our own. Yes. And so definitely not denigrating, but you know, when you do finally come to that decision, that is a level of strength right there. I, I remember when I came to that decision by having a hysterectomy and being in the waiting room and still questioning my decision. Uh, although, you know, I was just minutes away from the, the operation starting, I was still questioning myself. And I remember answering myself and saying, you are making the right decision. Stop questioning yourself. It's time. Yeah, That's what I had to say to myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it is a level of strength. That's why when women talk to me about having, you know, the possibility of having a hysterectomy, I can't give you an answer. I can tell you what my experience was like and what led me there and what it's been like since, you know, but I can't, I can't help you make that decision. I'm not going to take that on. <laughs> no, we so, can't, can we? It's, it's, no. I think one of the big things in the community is that we respect everybody has to take, make their mm-hmm. own decisions and take that final step when they're ready and not a day and not even a minute before, because even when you take that step, you're still never ready for it. Right. But it's the minute, the second that you can start actually do to move forwards and deal with your grief. But for everybody, it's different. And there's no judgments by anybody else. There should there should not be any judgments by anybody else because we never know another person's full situation or emotional well-being and state mm-hmm. of mind. So, yeah, it's an individual choice. Yeah, that's those are the keys, emotional well-being and state of mind, because we don't know what would send somebody over the edge at all, especially in these days, you know, post-COVID, it seems like everybody's just, I don't know, from my opinion, there's been just a lot of change in humanity. And a lot of people are just having to deal with more mentally and emotionally. So yeah, definitely, we have to leave that decision to to each individual. So, you know, as we continue on here, I wanted to ask you, let's get into it. What made you create World Childless Week? Okay, it was a lack a lack of us being seen, a lack of us being recognized or heard because I joined Facebook support groups. Thank goodness I found them. And it was amazing to be seen and to be heard, to be validated within these little communities. But in the bigger, wider world, there was nothing. And I spotted there were two sort of fertility weeks, one in the UK, one in the US. And I thought, okay, I'll be in there. There'll be something for me. And there wasn't. It was purely about making sure you could achieve becoming a parent through fertility treatments, through adoption, through any other process. And I was like, crikey, why is there nothing for us? And I spoke to my friends and said, there's nothing there. There should be something there. What if we did a day for it? And they said, that's a great idea. It should be done. I spoke to more people. They said the same. And I thought, how can we fit what we've got to say into 24 hours? 24 hours comes and goes and nobody notices us. Nobody would see us, which is why I thought it has to be a week. And I came up with ideas. I found a day and everything else. And I thought, what am I going to do? I have no idea. I'll come up with a, a daily topic because that'll help me search for blogs that I might be able to find on the internet and put one or two on a page on Facebook, and we might reach, you know, a couple hundred people. 
And I thought, I'll write something as well myself, even though I'm not a writer, never done anything like this before, never in this public. And at that time, I had actually was administrating a group on Facebook and I posted about my suggestion and asked if anybody would be interested in participating by sending in their story. And people said yes. People were really keen to get their voice out there and have a platform where they could be anonymous, which is such an important factor. And about fear of, you know, Joe Public coming back and sort of saying, you're wrong. That's stupid. I'll tell you the truth. You're missing out on this. You should be doing that. And it's your choice. You're not childless because you you stopped doing this. And all the criticisms that we face to be anonymous was really important. And we had, or I had over a hundred submissions that one week, that first week. So it all started from an initial idea and then an, an amazing community of people within the support group I run. And it's just progressed every year to where it is now. But the core element is giving our community a voice, a platform to share how they feel. That is fabulous. So that week, leading up to that week, because you also mentioned, I think it was on the website, it's not verbatim, but basically you say that the World Childless Week is one week per year, but the platform exists all year round. Tell us more about how that works. Yeah, 100%, because what I'm trying to do there is build up the resources. I want it to be that if somebody wants to find a support group, they can find a list of multiple support groups. But they might just happen to see there's a list of books or there's mm-hmm. podcasts or there's counsellors and therapists. So that it's almost like a core element of a network, like a spider's web, that World Times mm-hmm. Week is there, that you might go in for one thing, but come out with several. Whatever you look for, you can hopefully find, but you'll find more and you'll find the diversity and wideness of our community and where you can find connection because we all find support in different ways. And being able to sort of say, here it all is on a plate, have a look delve in, see all the stories from the previous years, recognise yourself, get validated and know you're not alone. And yes, we come together for seven days and try and raise the volume. But for the entire year, there are networks that are support groups and you'll find them on the Mm. website. So yeah, it's continually expanding and growing and building now into ways that people can participate through reaching out to their employers or to libraries and build awareness across the year. So again, it's not just these seven days. And I think that's the website, which you could say is a reflection of our communities building in confidence. There are more people speaking out more than ever. And the website is reflecting that and building as well. So they're sort of Mm -hmm. working in tandem. But yeah, it's there all year round for anybody and everybody. So I'm going to ask you about the letters and libraries in just a minute. But before I do that, how do we get involved? How do we listen? How do we tune in? Where do we do this? If you go to the actual website itself, the submissions for this year have closed now. But the webinars, there were 18 webinars happening across the week from Monday through till Sunday. Mm. And you can sign up for each one individually. If you go to the What's On page, it tells you who's going to be speaking, what the discussion will be around and the times and the dates. And you can register for anything you'd like to attend live. If you can't attend live, Don't worry, because every webinar is recorded and uploaded onto the website as soon as possible afterwards. So it's there again, like previous years. It's 24-7 for people to watch and view and possibly share with others to help them get an understanding of who we are and how we feel. So it's a week of joining in. And if anybody wants to try and raise awareness, if they've got the confidence to do that, there are posters. 
There are social mm. media images. There's something for everybody. But again, I'll always stress it. You can only do what you're confident to do and never push yourself beyond that because we all respect that it takes time to get to that place of being public in any way. It does. It does. And sometimes I'll be honest, sometimes I feel a little bit like I wish more people would share the podcast, you know, or share an episode. But at the same time, I understand why they don't, because people have reached out to me personally and said, I I haven't talked to my family yet about my my journey, my childlessness, my IVF. You know, they just haven't. And so, no, they won't be sharing the episode (laughs) because they have not had that discussion. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's really hard. And I think a lot of people do the first step by sharing somebody else's words because it's easier to share someone else's words or blog or podcast or whatever it may be than sharing your own because it is hard. And I'll always say, don't worry if you don't get a response because those friends who are childish might not want to add a comment and be seen. Mm-hmm. Or it could be you've got people out there who are childless not by choice, who are fearing that they'll never be a parent, who are actually reading what you share and thinking, oh, my God, this is something mm-hmm. everyone understands. But again, they're too scared to make a comment or they don't know how to comment, what emoji they should share as an emotion. And there's so much confusion within responses on social media that I think share it for yourself share it for your own confidence and if you get a response or a reaction that's a bonus i got an email from a doctor a few months ago and she told me about an episode that really really resonated with her and you know she can't talk to people she's you know she's a doctor (laughs) they're coming to her for help you know and maybe her family is not going to be receptive but she was able to reach out to me mm-hmm. and tell me how much the episode really resonated with her and i was just so happy that she felt comfortable reaching out and people do like i said they reach out via email or messenger and that's the most i'm going to get they're not going to share the episodes or go public they're not ready but they're at least reaching out to let me know that the podcast or a particular episode helps and that's going to have to be good enough for me and it really is. That means my work is is helping, your work is helping. And like we said, everybody else in the community globally, we're helping. We're just probably not going to see the fruits of our labor publicly all the time. Yeah. That's something mm-hmm. I always remind people is don't expect an immediate, amazing response. Just know it's right. happening. It's trickling away in the background and you may never know, but I guarantee every submission every action we do it will help someone somewhere i mean we're sort of 18 to 20 percent of the population and some right. or we can't say that what we share is not being seen by someone who's childless right yeah if the five people see our posts listen to a podcast one of them is likely to be childless mm-hmm. so everything we do is amazing to be honest it, it's helping in in ways that are unseen mm-hmm. but it's helping and that like you say that's the core element of what we hope And, you know, this is a great reminder to those of us who have platforms in this demographic, because I remind myself that every time I walk into a room filled with people or a room filled with women, there is a percentage of people in that group who are childless, not by choice. I tell myself that every time I walk into a room, no matter what the event is, I don't care if it's a wedding or a women's get together or a church service, whatever it is. There is somebody in that room who wanted but could not have children. 
And I, I just, that, that's, it sits with me every time I step into a group situation. So we just, as a, as those who hold platforms, that's something to keep in mind as well. And a lot of times they search us out. I just came back from, as you know, podcast movement. And I was told several times at several sessions, I know somebody who's going to need your podcast. I know somebody who's doing, I have to reach out to this woman, apparently, who does a Spanish language, Childless Not By Choice podcast. So I'm getting it, you know, from both sides. I know people now who are going to be doing their platform in another language or people who are going to want to listen to the podcast because they're dealing with childlessness. And that's every time I go to podcast movement, that's the response I get. I know somebody who's going to need your podcast, would be happy to hear your podcast. So yes, like you said, those people are there and they're hiding in plain sight and we know why. <laughs> yeah, sadly we do, <laughs> but we understand. So we understand. So, you know, let's talk about the letters and libraries. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is an amazing initiative that started off, as many things do, when you sort of literally notice an absence of us being somewhere. And it's a lady who's in the Charles community which was Lighthouse Women, which was Gateway Women. And she noticed that she'd go into the libraries and quite often she'd go in and say something like, oh, this book, I'd really like to read this book on childlessness. And whenever they asked for it, they would come back and say, yeah, we'll get it in stock for you. And there was a few people that were sort of talking about how they go into libraries and noticed that, you know, there are displays of books across the year for different events to acknowledge whatever, you know, that event is of the time. But there wasn't anything for childlessness. And they thought, well, well, why could they not do a tale display for World Childless Week? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they could suggest books. They could think of, you know, it doesn't have to be a book that is purely about recovering from childlessness. It could be just a fiction book, a story that doesn't have a happy ending and causes a trigger at the end for reading. It could be something that's educational. It could be about child-free issues because that equally can be a balance of something the childless might want to read. So basically, they came up with this idea of the Inclusive Library Project and didn't have written a couple of draft letters as well. And it's all on the World Transit website. So it's to encourage people to say, you know, go into your library, ask them if they'll do this for us. Mm -hmm. If they'll stock some books that we can actually enjoy to read, that we can go into the library and find something that we don't read halfway through and go, here we go, the pregnancy announcement, the, you know, the birth at the end. And we don't necessarily want to read that way in the reduced grief. Right. So Again, we've got these template letters for you to approach libraries and say, would you do a display? And I can provide a list of books for you that you some you might already have, some you may wish to purchase and just support the community because the library is there to support the entire mm -hmm. community. And if you're missing the demographic of the child list, that's a huge chunk of your population, of your readers that are not actually going to get 100% fulfillment from using a library. They're going to feel ignored if there are displays around the year but not one for us. So it's there and they've actually set up their own website as well now called Books No Kids, where they're starting to list the books that we can read safely, that we can suggest to libraries. So it's a twofold project that started off as this idea to include World Child Week in libraries and has now progressed to a website listing books that are safe for us to read. And I just think that's a fantastic idea that's developing into something that can build and build and is available to support everybody, everybody who's got access to a library. Right. And for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because there are people who can't afford to buy the book that they want. Right. 
or like they want to buy a reader book that's going to give them the good feels or give them positive feels and not all books do that so yeah it's a real positive movement Oh, that is great. I'm getting ready to do that letter. I'm going to actually send it out. I wanted to do it last weekend, but, you know, podcast movement (laughs) and traveling and all of the things that came with that. But yeah, I'm going to print it off this weekend and I'm going to go to the three libraries in my area and reach out to them. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. I think it's a great idea. And the other thing is I want to stress that you can actually just send a letter. So it's not email, it's not contactable, but you can actually send an anonymous letter to local libraries and if you feel brave enough include a small snippet of your story with that letter so it really brings home that this is a local event happening around them and just post it to libraries so you've got no direct connection you don't have to be recognized you can stay anonymous and stay safe Mm -hmm. still try and make a difference that's a good idea because sometimes you know if you do not stay anonymous yes there are people who are just really bitter about life and have nothing else to do but harass people. (laughs) So that's a good idea to just, you know, just stay anonymous. So, you know, as a listener, the listeners, you, you have, you have something to do as far as getting the, the letters out to your local libraries, if you want to, I think it's a great idea. I keep thinking about all the authors I have interviewed over the last few years of podcasting. And I'm going to take a look at their books because I have a list of their books, you know, somewhere in my platform. And I definitely have a list on the Facebook group, the Facebook page. So I really should be involved in this. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just need to know if I I have to decide if I want to stay anonymous or not. That's something I'll have to work on, think (laughs) about. But it's, it's a great idea. So tell us something as we close out here. Give us a a final word of encouragement for the Childless Not By Choice community and tell us how we can find you on social. The biggest thing, and I think it's the most important words that we always stress is you're not alone. Because the minute you find out you're childless, all you can see around you are families and you feel like you're sitting in the midst of a dark cloud surrounded by families and you are alone because nobody else could possibly be childless because you've not heard somebody talk about being childless. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is we are there. We are everywhere. We are surrounding you. But because it is a taboo subject, because we feel under pressure and ignored and rejected, we don't speak out, although thankfully so many more of us are. But just remember you're not alone. Look at the World Childless Week website, which is simply www.worldchildlessweek.net look at the resources and see where you can make connections or find the voices that you need to give you that support because we're here we're an amazingly loving community and we're willing to embrace everybody who wants to join us well just sorry wrong words must correct myself doesn't want to join us because of their childless they want to join us for the support and the love that we can give Right. It's a group we didn't necessarily want to belong to, but since we do, let's join. Find the help and the positivity that we need to continue on the journey that we've been given. We don't always get the journey we expect or want, but the journey we've been given, we've got to figure out how to to be on that journey and not be bitter about it, spend our life in, in, in bitterness. So I totally understand that. So everything we need to know is at worldchildlessweek.net. 
Thank you very much for joining us today, Stephanie. I really wanted to get this done and ready and waiting at the beginning of September so everybody can join in and listen to the webinars before it happens. And when is World Childless Week again? It runs from the 11th to the 17th of September this year. And as I said, if you want to find out what it's all about, look at our stories on the website and you'll see all the previous year submissions and webinars there. Okay, perfect. Thank you so very much for your time today. It's really appreciated. I'm sure the listeners got so much more insight on what World Childless Week is. So any questions at all, you all, just please feel free to reach out to Stephanie. She's probably a little busy right now, so give her some time <laughs> to respond. <laughs> yeah. She gears up for that week, the week of the 11th of September, but I'm sure she'll respond as soon as she can. And Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. It's really appreciated. Thank you for having me. I love having a conversation with you. You're welcome. Bye.